Blessings, blessings, my friends. I am so glad you found us. Welcome to the eighth episode of the Angel on the Air podcast. I am your host, Angel, your encouragement coach and founder of Destined for Greatness. Our series is entitled, How to Put to Death, Fear of Death. Yes, you can finally live in peace, free of the bondage of fear of dying. I am so excited. Today, I have the honor and pleasure of introducing the next piece of armor in our warfare blueprint and strategy. Now, this is what the Lord has given us in order to defeat the enemy of fear and death in our lives. And it's actually based on Ephesians chapter 6. Now, in the first five episodes of this series, we talked about the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith. Then, for the last two episodes, I took a pause on introducing the pieces of armor to lay down some more additional foundational truths that actually are very essential in our war against fear of death. If you did not hear it, you have to go back and listen to all the episodes. Without it, this will not make as much sense to you. It's kind of like a puzzle. You will not benefit from the view of the whole picture if some of the puzzle pieces are missing, right? But let me tell you, I am so glad that you're listening now. And you know, the feedback that I have been getting is astronomical. I keep hearing repeatedly that this is such a needed topic. So many people are in bondage to their own fears of death, the afterlife, life, eternity, hell, and even heaven. You see, death in our culture American culture or Western culture is traditionally a taboo taboo subject. We don't talk about it in our homes unless it finds its way in our family or friends, which eventually it does. We, of course, are totally unprepared for it. We don't talk about it at school. And even at church, we rarely discuss it unless the minister is talking about it in passing or in a sermon. Um officiating on a funeral. <clears throat> so, if you have been listening to me for any length of time, you know that I love to give historical background. And today is no different. I will tell you eight amazing historical, historical, not hysterical, <laughs> historical facts about the Roman armor, the breastplate. <clears throat> then, I will tie it to our spiritual war and show you how this piece of armor is used to defeat fear of death. Yes, but before I get into the nitty-gritty details about this precious piece of armor, I want to review the foundational scriptures for our whole entire series. So if you are able to, you can go with me to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, that's in the New Testament, chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 10. Of course, it's definitely okay if you prefer to just listen. Maybe you're driving or in your vehicle. It's fine. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, and we're going to go all the way to verse 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His power. Put on full armor of God so that you can take your stand against 
the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. So that was a mouthful and we're breaking it down piece by piece as we go through um, this beautiful set of armor that the Lord has given us. And speaking of beauty, the next piece of weaponry, weaponry is the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6.14 says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now the Amplified Version says, and having put on the breastplate of integrity and of moral rectitude and right standing with God. Righteousness is termed as a weapon. It is our breastplate. We know righteousness is a weapon since Paul calls it such in several places in the scriptures. Righteousness is called a breastplate in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Isaiah 59, 17 says, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate. So, as promised, here are some fun facts about the breastplate armor used in the Roman used by the Roman soldiers during the time of Paul and the apostles of Christ. The first one, they were beautiful. It was the most beautiful, shiniest, glamorous piece of weaponry the soldier possessed. You really notice this first on the soldier. The second one is it began at the top of the neck and went all the way down to the knees. So the protection is full. And then the third part is it's composed of two separate pieces of metal, usually brass, maybe bronze, one down the front and one down the back, held together by solid brass rings on the top over the shoulders and connected on the sides. Interesting, right? So now you have the bright place, the breastplate of righteousness, but it's also covering your back. Isn't that interesting? The next piece of information that I want to share with you is, number four, the larger front and back sheets were comprised of smaller scale-like pieces of metal, similar to the scales of a fish, thus called a coat of mail. Now, this was the heaviest piece of armor that the soldier wore. This is fact number five. It usually weighed about between 40 pounds and could get 
as heavy as 70 pounds, depending on the size of the man. Guess what? Remember that giant Goliath that David fought? His armor, his breastplate, weighed 125 pounds. Can you imagine? That's like my weight. Well, not really. Um, maybe my goal weight, <laughs> but still, I digress. Still heavy. The next one is, it was being, being brass or bronze, as the soldier wore this breastplate, the rubbing together of the metal added a luster and caused the breastplate to shine even more. So did you get that? When the breastplate rubbed against each other, when the soldier was in motion, right? Walking out or marching, it would cause the breastplate to shine even more. The seventh uh, fact is brass. Out in the sun, it was brilliant. It reflected the sun's rays. It produced a dazzling effect. So, when you are not, when you do not have to hide in the darkness of your sin, and you can stand out bold and bodacious in the sunlight of the sun, because he sees everything, he produces you as dazzling and brilliant before him. The last piece of information is that using and walking around in it enhanced the beauty of the breastplate. I mentioned that a little bit before, but what I wanted to add is when there is a whole army of believers or soldiers with that breastplate of righteousness, it actually could be used as a defensive, um, offensive weapon. It blinded the enemy. So what the Roman soldiers would do, say they would, a whole mountainside of Roman soldiers with this armor would be aglow at a certain time of day. And the breastplate, this made the breastplate not only a defensive weapon, but an offensive weapon. Because they couldn't see, the enemy couldn't see where to shoot their arrows. So let's summarize. The breastplate was beautiful to behold. It covered almost the entire body, front and back, down to the knees. It was heavy, substantial, and it had great value. It was rare, and only certain soldiers had access to it. And it would intimidate the enemy with the sheer glow of its presence. So how do we use the breastplate as a defensive weapon? Well, when an enemy of our soul, the devil, accuses you or us, bringing up our past, torments us with nightmares, like what we did, what we said, who we were with, the breastplate of righteousness has the power to protect us from harmful impact of those accusations. Let me ask you a question. Who was the most righteous person you know? Maybe it was a beloved parent, a sibling, other family members. Maybe it's a friend, a teacher, a mentor, a pastor, clergy. Hmm, perhaps it was it's the Pope, Mother Teresa, 
Mary, the mother of Jesus. Did you know that according to God's word, their righteousness is as filthy wax? Listen to how the prophet Isaiah describes it. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. That's in Isaiah 64, 6. You see, we all are sinners. We are sinners by nature and by will. It is only for the righteousness of Christ that we are saved from our sins. Great preacher and theologian of our day, John Piper, had this to say about the matter. It is true that any shortcomings of God's law offends his perfect holiness and makes us liable to judgment. Since God cannot look with favor on any sin, that's that's in Habakkuk 1.13 and James 2.10-11. But what brought a person to ruin in the Old Testament, and it is the same for us today, was not the failure to have the righteousness of sinless perfection. What brought them to ruin was the failure to trust in the merciful promises of, of God, especially the hope that he would one day provide a redeemer who would be the perfect righteousness for his people. The Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 6, Jeremiah 33, 16. So I could go deep down into a theological rabbit hole on that. But the simple truth is this. Our righteousness outside of Christ is as filthy rags to God. But once we put on our breastplate of righteousness, by accepting Christ's righteousness in place of ours, then we therefore are blameless before God. Consider it this way. When Satan accuses us, even after we accept Christ as our Savior, because the Bible says that he does, as a matter of fact, let's take a quick look at that. I, I like how the Amplified Version of Revelations chapter 12, verse 10 puts it. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom, dominion and reign of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our believing brothers and sisters have been thrown down at last. He who accuses them and keeps bringing charges of sinful behavior against them before our God day and night. Amen. Did you hear that? Day and night. There it is in black and white. The brethren, the brothers and sisters in Christ, still mess up sometimes. We all do. We let our temper get the best of us and said some things that we now regret. We think a wrong thought. We do a wrong thing. We say the wrong word. The list is endless and Satan is more than happy to point his bony accusing finger at us day and night. In fact, he may be in your ear right now telling you that you are not worthy of heaven or the benefits of salvation because you messed up. But can I tell you something that is going to set you free? Who the Son sets free is free indeed. 
when Satan and his imps point an accusing finger at us before the sovereign God? Did you know that when he looks at us, he no longer sees the sin? He looks through us to the blood-stained cross of Christ, his beloved son, and his heart is full of compassion and love and grace for us. He sees the righteousness of Christ when he looks at us. What good, good news this is. If you can get this, friends, in your spirit, this will change your life forever. Now, that being said, let's talk about this bright breastplate some more. Let me illustrate further what it means to wear righteousness on you. Let's say, for instance, that you are an orphan. You come from, a, from bad blood, a broken and violent family line. Despite that, this wonderful family adopted you. They were good to you, loving, kind, true, and faithful. Once you were adopted, you legally got their last name. You are part of the family. At first, you can hardly believe it. It takes you a while to acclimate to your new family. You break some rules. You try to bring your past behaviors and attitudes of lawlessness, violence, and brokenness into your new family. But they lovingly, graciously, patiently correct and discipline you. You think to yourself, maybe they will disown me. Maybe they will take me back to the orphanage because I'm so sinful. But no, they never even discussed removing you from the family. They continue to love you and patiently discipline and teach and guide you. They still treat you as a loving family member, no matter what you do. Eventually, because of the immense, undeserved love you freely and bountifully receive from this family, you begin to start acting out that love, faithfulness, and truthfulness. When you used to lie, you start telling the truth. When you used to steal, you now pay for what you want. Or if you don't have the money, you ask your father for it. If he says no, you accept it as for your good. Because you see, he has provided for your every need more than you could have ever imagined. My friends, the breastplate of righteousness is, is like that. It's twofold. The first part, you scare off the enemy of your soul because you now wear the righteousness of Christ. It is his righteousness that delivers your soul to eternity. His, the enemy's accusations regarding you to God now fall on deaf ears. As a matter of fact, God says, not only are your sins no more as far as the east is from the west, but he doesn't even remember them. Did you know, did you get that? God doesn't remember the sins. You keep harping on letting Satan scare you silly about, and God doesn't even remember them. Because your heavenly father only sees the righteousness of his son when he looks at your soul. The second part, while enjoying your position, and we talked about that last time as a royal son or daughter, you are also slowly changing to become more like your heavenly father by his word of truth. This is a process. So let me stress this. You are not saved by your righteous acts. Remember, we just went over that. Your righteousness is as filthy rags to God. Huh? 
it's the Christ, righteousness of Christ that he sees. However, you begin to act righteously because you are saved by grace. Your behavior changes not because you have to, but because you are being compelled to. You want to. You now long to be like your Heavenly Father. As you get to know Him more and more, you want to be more like Him more and more. This is called character transformation. Honesty, confessing sin regularly. And by the way, it doesn't mean a personality transplant. God does not require you to be like another Christian brother or sister that you might admire or look to. He wants you to be authentically, beautifully you. The next part is the moral and ethics. What do you do and say behind closed doors on social media? All that counts. Not towards whether you go to heaven or hell. That has already been dealt with when you accepted Jesus Christ's death on the cross as payment for sin. You have donned on the breastplate of righteousness. Again, love causes you to change the way you do things. You're beginning to see the damage you do to others by calling them out on social media. Even if you think they're wrong, a child of God does not lash out publicly or privately, humiliate other people on purpose. So now your moral character and ethics, your mannerisms, your speech begin to change. These changes take place because the Holy Spirit now dwells in you as a result of your surrender to Christ. And again, character transformation does not mean personality transplant. You are being conformed more and more into the image of Christ as you walk out your faith journey. I'll never forget the time I witnessed firsthand the conversion of a particular sister in Christ. Can I tell you, she was straight up hardcore. She cussed, she drank, she smoked, did and said everything under the sun with no apology. But one day, the love of God grabbed hold of that woman and she was able to receive for the first time his love and his forgiveness. And I know that I, I saw her undergo a, a spiritual conversion. The problem was, God did not deal with her the way others in the church thought he should deal with her. You see, she dressed rather seductively. She listened to her hardcore rap music and still cussed. Uh, she was more, more, even though she was more aware of how she spoke and hilariously she tried to change that, but that didn't go away overnight. Her heart was in the right place. Of all things though, listen to this, of all things that the Holy Spirit dealt with with her first, it was the most unlikely of things. I told you she's cussed. She dressed, you know, very seductively. She had, a, you know, a, a filthy mouth. Um, she, her personality was just very bold and outspoken. Which God did not change. He uses that in the kingdom of God. By the way, whether you're quiet and soft-spoken, 
or you're loud and bodacious. God loves you. He loves all of us the same. And he does not want us to be the same. He created us that way. So you see, among other things, she had a cigarette smoking habit. She had tried for years and years to kick it. She confessed that she would stop during her pregnancies, then start right back up after giving birth. She ran around telling everyone who would listen to her. She knew there was a God because he instantly removed her dependence on cigarettes. She stopped smoking from the moment she accepted Christ. And she says to this day that she never even had a craving for another cigarette again. Did he change the way she talked or dressed? No, at least not instantly, if ever. But that's between her and God. He is the author and finisher of her faith, not the church members, the pastors, the ushers, or the bystanders. God and God alone. He knew what she needed when she needed That was what it took for her to build her faith. For others, I know Christians who still battle with addictions through their entire life, yet we worship the same God, the same Spirit. It's in all. It's true. It is absolutely not your own righteousness that gets you into heaven. The breastplate now becomes a defense because you deflect the accusations of the devil because you are covered in Christ's righteousness. But after receiving Christ, as you live out your life, you begin to become an honest, truth-seeking, humble, loving, kind, forgiving person because that is who the Savior of your soul is, God the Son, even behind closed doors when no one is looking. This is the transformation. His Spirit is changing your desires. The difference is your desire changes. You can, um, you used to not care about righteousness. Now you want to be righteousness. That's the difference. This is what theologians call sanctification or the sanctification process. It is not instantaneous like salvation is. And sanctification is a lifelong journey. And let me tell you, none of us reach perfection. Although we should be making progress. You should not be the same person spiritually um, 10 years after your conversion. There should be some spiritual growth there and maturity. But perhaps we'll talk about that another day. We're focusing on what a righteous character does. It gives you peaceful sleep. It keeps you from corruption and living with the consequences of of an evil lifestyle. It clears your conscience. It draws other people to your heavenly father because they see the change in you. I will close with this scripture that I quoted in the last episode because it's so powerful and impactful to me. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Well, my friend, our time for today is over. But can you do me a favor? 
If, as a result of this or any of the other episodes on the Angel on the Air podcast, you have made a decision to follow Christ, can you let me know? I want to celebrate with you and continue to pray for you in your new faith journey. You can email me at angelcdavis98 at gmail.com. That's Angel C, the letter C, like in cat, Davis98 at gmail.com. Blessings, my friends. May the peace of God overtake you this week. And that his love and righteousness will be with you until we meet again. God bless.